From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. On this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we look at the MLS playoffs if the format is actually working for the league. Dallas native and Benfica B player Keaton Parks joins the show to discuss his journey in the soccer world. Finally, we took a look at the U.S. soccer presidency and the new interim coach that was just hired. All this on this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Good day. Hello. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Stephen Jodderin, Armand Kafai. Follow us on Twitter at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. Go ahead and hit that subscribe because you won't regret it. Armand, busy show. How's it going? I'm alive. I'm alive too. Uh, MLS playoffs, and uh, it's been flat. Really bad. Yeah, to say the least. To say the least. It's been bad. Like, MLS, uh, not good. Not good whatsoever. God. Let's begin with Tuesday's games. Chicago, the three seed hosting the six seed Red Bulls. And I told you there was going to be four goals in this game. Everyone would have been pretty excited for that. No, but when all four goals are for one club, it's not a good game. Four nil was the final. <laughs> I I thought I, I was surprised by the result. Yeah, Chicago's looked kind of flat uh, recently. Red Bull always has a always has the opportunity to make something good happen. We have Jesse Marsh at the helm and the way they tactically play. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised by the result. I mean, I felt it, it was two zero in like what the first twenty minutes. I yeah. thought the game was over after that. As soon as it happened, I thought the game was over. Yeah, um, well, it was, and it was. First, first eleven minutes. Bradley Wright Phillips and Shasta Kleshin. Eleven minutes, two nothing. That's yeah. That that was. I, I texted you. I was like, that's game over, man. There's no way Chicago can come back from that. And they didn't. So, I mean, I mean, this game was pretty lackluster, to be honest. And I, I, mean, I was telling people, I mean, there wasn't that many people uh, attending the match. So it kind of just felt like a really boring game. Well, that, that the attendance figures, according to MLSsoccer.com, was 11,647. You know what the average for the season was? Armand? Well, Seventeen thousand. They had five thousand less people show up for an MLS game playoff game than they did for a regular season match. I mean, if you're MLS, you can't be playing a game on Tuesday night. What the hell are you thinking? A, the TV ratings are terrible. They're going up against the World Series. Then you 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 don't even sell out the stadium. It's flat. the The game broadcast is awful when the stadium's half. Empty, not even half empty. Majority empty. Yeah, it's a that's a Wednesday night game. I mean, these midweek games. I feel like I don't know. I mean, for some places they'll be fine, like Vancouver and Atlanta. But I mean, for most, it's gonna be a struggle. I don't. I don't understand why they have these midweek playoff games. It's stupid. Just dumb. Because the schedule's not set. 
you you just had the end of the regular season. Give a week. Allow fans to buy tickets. Allow them to think if they want to go to the game. Allow there to be a build-up. God, 4 nothing. I mean, I, I turned off the game at halftime. No, I had to continue watching, but that's why, I, you know, it felt like I had to. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I think part of watching the soccer viewing uh, experience is the atmosphere. And once the atmosphere is really lacking, the game just feels very flat, and especially at that scoreline, it was very flat. Um, but hey, congratulations to Red Bull. Uh, I think they thoroughly deserved it, and I think that Red Bull Toronto series is going to be really fun. It's going to be really fun. Jesse Marsh, you know, under his tenure, the Red Bulls have been typically the favorite. You know, the finishing high in the standings. The first time where they went in as underdogs, and you got the sense that you know there was more pressure on Chicago. And oh, I for think, sure. I think that allowed the players to really run free. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean. It 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 looked it looked like it looked like I mean to be honest with you, it was Chicago's what first playoff game in about five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it, there's obviously gonna be a little bit of pressure. Valko Panovic's first his first playoff game and whatnot. But Steve, let me ask you this: Was that the last time we saw Schweinsteiger in a Chicago Fire jersey? Uh, a really. I feel like it was. It yeah. I mean, it it sucks. He's still young enough that. Uh, I think he did a lot of good for Chicago Fire. I thought they were relevant. Uh, they sold out games because of him. Uh, obviously, look at their attendance figure. I, you know, I'm not gonna pull up last year's, but I'm sure it it rose because of Schweinsteiger. That factor. Uh, and another MLS club could use him, <clears throat> Dallas, because you know Kellen Costa might be leaving. I think he could kind of be a good plug and play. Plus, you're getting a superstar. So, um, I'm thinking ahead. I don't know. Schweinsteiger doesn't have any. Any options right now in Europe? None that I know of, and I've been reading the transfer rumors about him. Just curious to see what he'll do. Maybe he'll retire. I mean, he's won almost everything, uh, but um, I mean, he didn't win the World Cup this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know the red, the Red Bulls. Speaking of when they played Toronto earlier in the season, they had a one-one uh, draw at Red Bull Arena. They also had a 3-2 game, right, at uh, BMO Field? The 4-2. 4-2, yeah, that September game, I was 30th. watching that game. I remember watching that game. That game, it was, it was, that game was actually, that's the reason why I'm excited for that series, because that game was back and forth and just full of en- energy. I mean, when you have a team like Toronto and a team like Red Bulls, their systems are so unique. You have that 3-5-2 from uh, Toronto with a 3-6-1 with uh, Red Bull, and they collide. It's, it's, it's a tactical, just really interesting tactically. Who do you thought uh, was the the best player from uh, Red Bulls on uh, Tuesday night? I thought the defense was really solid. I thought Kamar Lawrence put in a great shift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Defen- defensively, I think he had, didn't have a wrong foot the whole game. Um, and also, I'd probably say Daniel Royer played really well too. So, I mean, just I, I, I thought defensively they were just outstanding to be honest. Yeah. And uh, the game against Toronto – is going to be next Monday. Yep. Uh, so they'll be at Red Bull Arena. They'll be home. They'll play the underdog. So it'll be real fascinating to see because the pressure is on Toronto. And then the, specifically, I think the pressure is on Michael Bradley and Josie Altador because of their failure with the U.S. men's national team. Remember, they got booed by Atlanta in the se- uh, season finale. Uh, I'll talk about another booing in a little bit because, I mean, I think it's a trend across U.S. soccer now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Stephen, what do you think of the Vancouver-San Jose game? I mean, I'm, I told you I wasn't surprised. I mean, people were telling me they expected San Jose to win. What? And and I was like, you Minus guys have 21 to, gold differential. You guys, have to, you guys have to be, like, joking with me. They're like, no, uh, I think their form is really good. I was like, no, 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 no. You have to be, like... Are you, are you serious? A team that comes in with a minus 21 goal difference, <laughs> and, you, and, they're, and they're a favorite only in MLS, but it was an easy game for Vancouver. I mean, you watched it. Sounds like terrible, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, the first 30 awful. minutes, it was okay. Right? It was okay. Once the floodgates opened, they opened. Oh, that's the thing. With Freddie Montero scoring the 33rd minute, after that, it was smooth sailing. You it know? wasn't close. Oh, my God. Um, that that was a joke. Yeah, the, this is just 
It was a joke of a game. It was bad, 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 bad Tuesday night. I mean, you're talking about an aggregate. Wednesday night, come on. Tuesday night. Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Wednesday night, sorry. It was a bad, bad aggregate. 9-0. 9-0. And you, you, you and I, if I would have told you 9-0, there would be nine goals scored tonight, you would have been like, all right, sign me up. I'm excited. Not when they're for two clubs. Yeah, but I think we we saw Vancouver kind of solidify themselves as a very scary team. People thought they couldn't do it in the playoffs. And, I mean, you have Teixeira, you have Montero, both of them playing well. Um, this, this Kendall Watson defensively, yeah. she's got big towering presence. I mean, overall, this Carl Robinson's team looking really good. And uh, I think they can really challenge Seattle and maybe they can beat them, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, attendance figure was nice, 21,000. So and this... apparently they they might uh, open up the upper deck for the uh, Seattle game. And you know how much that Cascadia rivalry means something. So Oh, for sure. And remember, Vancouver lost on the Cascadia Cup, so there's extra motivation to beat these clubs. Hell yeah. So, which is fascinating. Uh, San Jose, goodbye. Thank you. I'm not talking about you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> minus let's not talk about them. Terrible. Uh, and then let's go to Thursday night's games. Atlanta, interesting. Really interesting dynamic because MLS had a terrible, terrible Wednesday night. I can't repeat how bad that was for the league. Then literally they put all their chips on one game, and that was Atlanta, Columbus, and it actually performed really well. That was a proper uh, playoff game, playoff tournament football game. Where both clubs went at tactically, it was chess. You had back and forth players. You know, the players were dead by the end of the 120 minutes. They hit the post four times. Oh, God, it's it's just incredible. I don't know. What are your thoughts off the game? That has to be an MLS instant classic. That game was. That game, I think, was up there with the 0-0 draw with uh, Chicago and FC Cincinnati in the Open Cup. I think uh, those two games are really yeah. fun to watch. Um, for I mean, first off, you got to give credit to Columbus. They really limited Atlanta's attack 100%. Um, you, Joseph Martinez didn't get all the opportunities he usually does. Al Marone didn't have that much space to operate. The Wings didn't have that much space. Greg Berhalter did a brilliant job uh, controlling that that. Uh, of offense and I during that game I don't know if you noticed Stephen but defensively for Atlanta I mean they've always done this but they seem so vulnerable. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird thing because going forward, Atlanta have all all the momentum with them. I mean, they have the talent, the pace, the skill. They have the creativity to really pose threats. But going backwards, there were moments where Columbus. I had opportunities to to score. Uh, when uh, Parkhurst saved it off the line, that was, I mean, you're talking about inches separating Columbus not having to win through a penalty shootout. I mean, yeah, and, excuse me, and when the game, when the game was just in the op- open game, even during the first 90 minutes, it was, uh, I mean, I know this is kind of like Atlanta style, but it looked really vulnerable today where they had their three in the back, but it was just their three in the back. So, It'd almost be a game of transition to where you you get those three to stop them, then put it back into your like whatever your seven there up top, uh, tr- trying to score goals. I thought it was just a really interesting dynamic uh, by Martino. I think that's where most of Columbus is. I mean, you basically against Atlanta, you need a counterattack. If you counterattack them and you hit them on a counter, you mm. get it. But um, go ahead. I would say forty-one total shots were taken between the two clubs. They forty-one. Couldn't they couldn't score and. For, uh, Zach Steffen, whew, what a game. Oh, what a game. Beautiful. What a game. Now, this was really good for the league. I think this was a game that if you tuned in and you're like, you know, what is play- MLS playoff? Um, th- their attendance figure was a little subpar. Let me just get Subpar. That. Subpar. Well, for Atlanta's right st- standards. 67,000. Subpar. So 67. Not too bad. You see, this guy has too much expectations, man. Hey, I'm, I'm saying Atlanta United has won my heart. Okay, if there is an out of market club that I like, that I will follow and just have a softie for, it was Orlando City. 
Uh, but Orlando City has just kind of ruined it because they haven't made the playoffs, and it's just kind of like, eh. Atlanta like, United, when they were waving their phones in the air and singing whatever it was, that was awesome. No, that, that was awesome. I think the atmosphere created by Atlanta United causes the casual fans, especially if you live in the Atlanta United, to go to a game. Because often in, in sports, especially in American sports, the fan experience isn't necessarily being part of the game. It's more about just reacting to the game and creating noise. That's it. But soccer has the weird aspect where you are as much as part of the 90 minutes as the, the 11 on the pitch. Or the the manager on the sideline, and Atlanta United has captivate uh, captured that. Now it's sad that they didn't move on, but it's still a superb season for them. No one would have expected them to be this good to sell out that many seats, because next year, I mean, the expectation is even going to be higher, which is good. I think there's pressure now on this club to succeed, and that's going to be really hard. You know, the fans. If they're real fans, they're going to get on this club next season. I mean, looking forward, dude, Atlanta might have a little murky of a future. Uh, well, when it comes to their players, hopefully they bring in better, nice players, but Almiron might be gone. Um, well, they're going like to have a might, huge cash flow. Go spend some money. I feel, I feel like they're, a lot of players are going to leave. Um, but, I mean, I, if, man, you're, if you're somebody abroad, would you not say Atlanta's on your destination? I'd say honestly they would be because of you have Tata and you have that great atmosphere, nice city to live in. I mean, it's a huge city and traffic sucks, and but you, that's anywhere else in then, America. And then you see, then you see Almiron if he if he leaves and the potential he has to go somewhere. All of a sudden, you ha- you're gonna have someone knocking on your door saying, "Hey, I want to play in MLS." Yeah, Martinez too. You know, so I I agree. Uh, from Columbus's perspective, what a game! Save the crew. Save the crew. Going back to a club is if they don't sell out the stadium, shame on them. They deserve to. Uh, they the club deserves to be relocated. Actually, uh, on that note, I'm actually traveling to Austin this weekend, and I'm actually going to uh, interview uh, some of the supporters groups, uh, the supporter group that's in Austin, that's kind of fueling the MLS to Austin uh, discussion in the Austin area. So shameless uh, plug. Yeah, yeah, be on the lookout for that. But no, uh, Columbus, man, Columbus's team is really good. Not really talked about um, with the whole Austin crew, this that. I mean, we've talked, but I think they're already gone. Um, but l- let Columbus win an MLS Cup, or just out, just let's. I mean, it would be awesome to see Columbus win MLS Cup. To be honest, It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. And they would host it if they moved out. If they moved on, they would host it. Um, so it, it it would be it would be great it'd be fun uh, great it's awesome for the te- it's awesome for the crowd awesome for the team you, you, the team had motivation coming in saying mm-hmm. the league doesn't want us here no one wants us here but we're gonna move on and screw them anyway and like and tact tactically the Kakuta Mane coming on was a brilliant substitution by Burrowhalter I mean people question it they took off Justin Miram he was great and then you look around and. Uh, Man, it, I, I was I was at a loss for words of how good they played because they played outstanding. I mean, we should be I shouldn't be surprised because Columbus is a great MLS team. But yes, I mean, Stefan stood on his head and you know it was, it was so good a game. Like shit, it, it was it was a really good game, and, and it was it was well worth our 120 minutes. You know, yeah, was, you, yeah. You, I could not turn away from the game. It was that open. My criticism is. Atlanta's schedule at the end, I think, just it was too many games. It was in, grueling, dude. It was grueling. yeah, too many games in a short amount of time. And then when the playoff came comes around, and you could just tell they weren't a hundred percent fit. You know, they were gas. They were just gas. Almiron wasn't there. You know, uh, you, you could just tell players left and right just stretching, and it it was kind of like, oh, where's the finish line? Where's that finish line? Where's that finish line? That's where uh, that's all they were searching for. Meanwhile, Columbus was able to sit there and go, "Hold on, hold on, let's do this." Like they were, it seemed at times Columbus were more motivated to win than they were, uh, than the Atlanta United, and I think that's Col- just, they were just too tired. Columbus, I thought was the better team for most of the game. Yeah, well, tactically, it was awesome. It was a, it was a fantastic game. Um, so the sixty seven thousand 
At Atlanta, well, 14,000 in Houston. Dot, dot, Can we not dot. talk about that game, please? It was awful. Boring. That game was terrible to watch. The field's destroyed. You watch that game, oh, that field is destroyed, completely destroyed. Uh, it looks terrible. The game was itself terrible. But credit to Houston. These are MLS playoff games. We said SKC could uh, could win it by... Well, they screwed themselves by not getting a higher seed. Yeah, they did. And um, we said that SKC would be the better team offensively. They could gruel out a win. But yeah. it was Houston. Houston, was yeah. better. Houston, I think, was a better team. And um, Albert Valise with the goal... Vicente Sanchez, can we like just talk about him for a quick second? Yes. How this guy's like 38 years old, coming off of the super sub, coming off the super sub, he killed Dallas when he when he uh, he was in Dallas, and he comes on, creates an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I goes past Madronda and gets the ball to at least the scores. I mean, this guy is 38 years old, and he's a key player for the Dynamo. It's, it's like, amazing. Sanchez, like, what? San- Sanchez had four assists in a three week, uh, three there game you go. week. I don't know what's going on, but Wilmer Cabrera, with what he's done with Vicente Sanchez, with Kubo Torres, with that front line, I'm telling you, Houston's one is a really fun team to watch. Uh, with that front three they have with uh, uh, Kubo, uh, Kyoto, and Torres, uh, I don't think they've been starting together. But um, I mean, overall, like that front three is really fun to watch. And I mean, like I said, Vicente Sanchez off the bench is he's been incredible. Like how much. Is, He's been incredible, and you had your boy Senderos play, Steve. Yeah, representing the Swiss. He started. Yeah, he had, he, is, he, had, he had a nice game. And Leadership. I mean, I mean, I mean it's overall, good. It's good. Yeah. It looks like a good signing after all. Uh, it's good for Houston that they move on. They'll be taking on uh, Portland. Oh, yeah, so um, what else happened during that game, like I was mentioning, was that Beasler and Zussi were just booed for the whole game. Oh, yeah. The whole game. Booing. Really? The whole game. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I think this is good. This is good. Question is, are we going to boo Kellen Acosta or somebody like that? Are we going to boo the young guys if, if they were to play? I know this I is think irrelevant. It, I, I, but... I, think, I think the booing is just reserved for the older guys. Yeah. I think that was a rationale that Atlanta United fans gave. So these guys are leaders. They're veterans. And then they – like, you're not going to boo Christian Pulisic. But, Hell I mean, I no. Guess, He's the yeah, only reason why you have hope. I guess – I guess the uh, the ba- the rationale of the fans are uh, these guys are leaders, they're veterans, and they screw us. And then, well, they screwed us, so mm. let's boo them. Like, yeah, some. Like, I don't know. Anyway, Seattle traveling to Vancouver on Sunday. Monday, you have Toronto traveling to the Red Bulls. Portland in Houston, so you'll have a fascinating game there. Houston, Portland. I'm actually really curious to see how Portland react with Diego Rileri and an expectation now to pretty uh, to succeed. Uh, I, these home teams, I feel like, have a real advantage because the higher seed has to travel. And they uh, can set the tone. Yes, they can set the tone. They could try to take it to – like I mean, look at Dallas. I always like to use Dallas as an example. In 10 minutes, their season fell apart last year yep. in the playoffs. Yep. So. Uh, there's that NYCFC going to Columbus. Columbus, you better sell out that stadium. There should not be everybody should be standing ninety minutes long, ninety minutes before the game, okay, ninety cute. minutes okay, okay, after okay. the game. We don't have to stand. We can sit down. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, Seattle, lucky for them, they don't have to travel that much f- f- that far north. They're going to Cl- uh, Vancouver, so for them it's a home game. Lucky for them, they don't have to go uh, too like far. Portland. I think, uh, yeah. Uh, MLS playoffs, last question before we move on to the King Parks interview. Not good so far, and it, it's. I think they need to take a look. If we're done talking about change in MLS, it's time to take a look at these MLS playoffs and uh, reformat them. Yeah, but I don't like the ideas that are coming out. If you're going to put so much stock in the playoffs, all of a sudden you're going to make it like a round-robin affair. I don't like it. I don't like the idea that's coming out. I don't think a lot of people like the idea. I think it should stay a two leg, but if anything, they should cut how down about, the teams. How about or you something sh- like that? How about you shorten the regular season, maybe by a couple of weeks, for uh, two weeks? Take two games off. You keep the same amount. You you play one versus six. There's a no buy, and you just move on. Or you know what you do, Armand? You do my idea. You do what you do in the Champions League. Oh my league. gosh! The, the balls. 
You put them in pots, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. That would be so much cooler. This this guy, man. This guy, man. Tweet at that's me. All he's, that's all he's at, talking about. No, that's tweet, all he's talking about. Tweet at us or at Uncle Sam. And if, if you agree, do you want to see the pots? Because I do. I think it would be so much cooler. I so don't want to see the pots. I don't want to see the pots. You don't. Stop, okay. Steven, please. <laughs> you put this idea like on my head for the last like, 20 days. That's a good idea. Whatever. Remember, good ideas often are irrational until you realize that it's, it's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, up next, Dallas native Keen Parks. today is a Texas native who is currently playing at Benfica B and was actually called up to US U20 camp prior to the 2017 U20 World Cup. Keaton Parks. Hey Keaton, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you guys? Good, We're doing good. great. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us. Busy man over there yeah. in Portugal, huh? Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, how's the current season going on? Uh, it's going well. We are in sixth place, I think, in the second league, and we've been playing well. We've been getting wins. Um, we're having a good season. We've uh, had some injuries along the way with some players, but overall we've been been doing well, training hard, and and getting results. Uh, I, I want to go back to, to your roots because growing up in Texas, it's such a hotbed for obviously the other sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball. Why did you end up playing soccer and pursuing over the other sports? Uh, well, the main reason I would say is because I was better at soccer than other sports, but I also liked it more. Uh, I grew up playing baseball and basketball as well, and I even played a little bit of uh, American football in middle school, but I was never as good at those sports. Um, and also, both of my parents grew up playing soccer as kids and stuff. I never played professionally, but they always played soccer as well, so I grew up watching a lot of soccer and just being involved with soccer, so... Yeah, it was my it was my favorite sport growing up. Did you watch a lot of soccer growing up, Keaton? I mean, when, when we talked to us, uh, certain players, uh, they didn't have soccer available. But at our age, I think we have more uh, soccer available uh, uh, at our hands. So did you watch a lot of soccer growing up? Um, I watched more than the average person, but no, I didn't. I actually didn't enjoy watching soccer as much as because I I always wanted to be playing. So I would watch like a first half of a game and then I would get bored and go outside and play or, or do something else because I always wanted to be, I'd rather be playing than watching. So like whenever I was watching, it made me mad because I wanted to be playing instead, you know? So I actually didn't watch as much as like, I think I should have because I could have learned a lot from watching soccer growing up, but mm. no, I actually didn't watch as much as, as you would think. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, sport growing? It was a soccer, it was playing soccer, but what about watching? If you... um, yeah, so I really enjoy, still to this day, so I enjoy watching basketball and American football a lot. They, um, I mean, like, they're just fun to watch, and basketball especially, I love playing basketball as well. Um, but now, or especially now, I enjoy watching a lot of soccer and learn, like, I like to watch and learn from the best players in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. so, but growing up, I think I would, I would say I'd, I liked watching basketball and American football more than soccer. So I, so once you started playing soccer, you started playing well at Frisco Liberty High School. You also were playing well for your club team, Liverpool. And then you had the conventional offer of you know going to SMU and going to college, but you chose the route where you play with the MPSL Liverpool side and then uh, with your coach were able to go try out in Portugal and get a spot on a team. Did did people judge you differently for um I guess judge but did people like yeah judge you differently for uh, not choosing SMU and uh, going professional because in USA the conventional route is for uh, athletes in high school to go to college but over overseas it's you go straight to the first team or you start trying to get playing time at that age so what was the what did people say to you uh, throughout that process? Um. I would say for the most part, people were surprised uh, just because they it was a, a different route than the average player takes in the USA. 
so I had SMU as as a plan. I committed to SMU to go there in 2015. Um, but yeah, I I always grew up wanting to play professional soccer, and I knew that, and I always wanted to play in Europe. So when the opportunity rose, I I mean like I had to take it. it thinking going back and thinking uh, in 2015 when I had to choose between coming here and going to college, I did I did like weigh the options, but but overall. Uh, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to play professionally here, and and people people were sort of confused about it, I guess, because just because they didn't know about it, they didn't know uh, what it was like to to come here at such a young age or to try to pursue professional soccer in Europe. So um, so yeah, I mean, but people didn't judge me. They didn't think it was a bad decision or anything. They just didn't they just didn't know. So. So, Look, yeah. do you – I mean, it's a huge discussion right now, obviously, with the failure of the national team between, you know, the youth development. In your opinion, obviously, you made the decision on going – of going to Europe. Jermaine Jones came out saying, yeah, all the players should get pushed to go to Europe. Do you think the college game kind of disrupts the growth? You have a brother at, at Harvard playing green. You, you see both options. You waited out both options. In your opinion, how's that – that interaction between the two options work out um yeah so i think a lot of young players when they they do get the opportunity to go to college and they get offers from big division one colleges and all their friends like they think that's really cool and they get to go there they get scholarship they get to play in front of uh, in front of their friends and family so obviously that that decision is enticing like it it would be a good choice and everybody everybody knows that's a good choice and coming here people don't know about coming here trying to play professionally and and it's hard it's hard to change Uh, at such a young age it's hard to to move off by yourself into a different country different language for uh, usually a different language so i mean it is hard to adapt and and there's a lot of a lot of um good yeah yeah and difficulties about coming here so yeah it is i think um just the idea of going to college and playing Division One soccer there has been has been pushed on onto academy players, on the young players, and they they think that's the best option growing up. So I think that, I think college does get in the way of a lot of young players uh, choosing to come to Europe instead. What was the dip most? Uh, what was the hardest part about moving to Portugal? I mean, I'm assuming it was probably like the language barrier because I mean, you come in here, you don't know any Portuguese and now you're in a completely different country. So, like, what was the hardest part uh, about moving just straight from high school to Portugal? Yeah, I would say the language was definitely the hardest part, but also just being away from my family and my friends. Uh, I came here with with a friend that actually spoke some Portuguese, so that made it a lot easier. And he helped me get around at first, um, and then I used an app on my phone to tell him some <laughs> Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best <laughs> the best idea, but it helped. So and, what? Uh, so. Go ahead. I was gonna say, what what's life in Portugal like uh, compared to Dallas? Yeah, it's um, it's the same. Uh, I guess when I first came here, I mean, I don't have a car here and stuff for my license, uh, Portuguese license. So uh, I guess that's a big difference. We walk around a lot, and the cities are smaller, um, but everything that you need is in walking within walking distance. So it's not a, it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, so I came here not knowing any Portuguese, and that was difficult. And then, especially at first, being away from my family all the time and my friends, and like not being able to see them whenever I wanted to was difficult. Um, I've gotten used to that over the years as well. I've been here for over two years now, so um, that's gotten a lot easier, but still hard. And then I and now I speak a lot of Portuguese as well, so so that makes it easier. I can get around by myself now. Oh, for sure. Now I want I want to ask you that. As an American who did move abroad, was there any bias or an unfavorable, you know, view of you? Because just because you're an American and soccer isn't necessarily the most important sport or culturally the biggest sport here in America from players, coaches or directors or fans that, you know, you were there over there? Uh, No, there wasn't any bias, I would say. Um, When I came here, I knew that I would have to prove myself no matter where I was from. Um, and I always came out in the trainings and games, and I worked my hardest, and I, I just – I knew I had to prove myself to get on the starting lineup or just to get in the games at all. 
And I think the fans, the coaches, they all saw that from the beginning. Um, I never acted like I was, uh, man, I can't think of words right now. <laughs> well, like, uh, speaking too much Portuguese? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been speaking too much Portuguese. I feel English now. Yeah, so I, I never felt like I never acted like I was um, like I was better than these players just because mm. I was American forever, you know. Fair, I always come out to prove myself just like any other player on the field. So I, I don't believe that there was ever a bias from the coaches, players, or fans even. So when after you moved uh, to Portugal, you played for Varzim for a little bit, and then you eventually signed with with Benfica. Uh, what was your what was your feeling when you signed with one of the premier developmental clubs in the world? I mean, when you think of Benfica, you think of them having probably they produced the be- the best players. You see them signed by uh, top clubs such as Barcelona. Um, so, like, what, what was your thoughts when you uh, uh, fi- when you uh, signed for them? uh i would say shock at first just like the idea that they that they wanted to buy me and that they wanted to sign me um at first like it was just a crazy feeling it's one of the uh, top 10 biggest clubs in the world if not the biggest club in the world our most well-known club so um i mean it's crazy that i'm here but i also believe that i deserve to be here i've worked hard for it and i work hard every day to to remain here and to and to prove that i belong here uh so yeah I mean, it was a crazy feeling that uh, when I first heard that they had interest in me and I just, I knew I wanted to be here and and here I am. Yeah. And you actually just recently had some training sessions with the first team. How'd that go? You know, was it something different? Uh, yeah. So the, those training sessions were, were great, uh, very intense, uh, great experience for me uh, that I got the opportunity to do that. Um but yeah, every day, every day is a hard training session with the B team. Every day, uh, we have to we have to get ready for the weekends with the in the second league. We have a game every weekend, sometimes midweek games. Um, so yeah, those A team trainings were a good experience. But I'm I'm always here training hard, uh, getting ready for those games, and and folk, I'm focused. I'm focused <laughs> on uh, on our season with the B team and everything. So uh, yeah, great experience. Uh, I was happy to get that opportunity. But I'm always it's, – it's not a different training. It's always the same hard trainings every day with the B team as well. So, so Keaton, I mean, you obviously know uh, when the, the national team, the U.S. national team, didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup. What are your thoughts on, on the national team failure, just your overall thoughts on what happened? Um, it was rough hearing that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get a stay up uh, – the whole night to watch the game, I watched the first half, but waking up to the news that they didn't qualify and that they couldn't beat Trinidad and Tobago, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah. Disappointed. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, I was disappointed for sure. And I think the whole country is disappointed. Um, I mean, all we needed was one more point through through all those games to qualify. So, um yeah, I was disappointed for sure, and I mean, just moving forward, we—I think we just have to do better. So, because we, because we can do better. <laughs> obviously, I'm—I'm I'm sure the national team's on your on your mind. How you know? Have you had any contact with with you know the program? Is there you know interaction, or is it just kind of you know quiet? Then you just working hard to see if you can get a call up. Uh. Yeah, for the most part, it's been quiet. I, uh, Tab Ramos did email me a couple weeks back just to check in, and I talked to him a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's been quiet. But I mean, I'm here working hard every day, uh, working hard for my team, um, playing well in the games, working hard in training. So I'm hoping that I'll get a call up soon or just get some get noticed out here out here in Portugal. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's been good. Uh, I'm hoping to get a call soon. Oh yeah, I mean we we definitely are rooting for you because we, God knows we could use some change in the national team as we've talked on the. Oh on the yeah, show. you're telling me, Stephen. <laughs> you're telling me. Uh, uh, we, would, we would love to see you in the in those colors, Keaton. Especially representing uh, Dallas, be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Keaton. What are your goals for this upcoming year? I mean, I mean, obviously there's obviously a you want Benfica to be to be 
basically cha- champions of the second division. But what what are some other you know personal goals that you have? Like maybe what do you want to work on technically and whatnot, and you know other goals such as you know making the national team and whatnot. Uh, yeah, so of course I have the individual goal of trying to make the national team, uh, getting a call up for under 23 qualification for the Olympics, or even a first team call up for even a camp or friendlies or whatever. Um, but here at Benfica, I'm just focused on our second division league right now, uh, getting wins, um, and then hopefully at the end getting the trophy, getting first place this year. Um, of course, I'd love to experience more training sessions with the first team. That was, I mean, that's always a great opportunity, great mm-hmm. experience. But yeah, I'm very. I'm, we're all focused on just getting wins in the second division and and developing our team and then also to get the trophy at the end of the year would be awesome for sure uh keen parks everybody we want to thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to join us uh we wish you the best and uh good luck for the rest of the season talk to you soon maybe thank you yeah thank you thank you for having me absolutely What a great interview with Keaton. I really enjoyed that. Real good insight, especially on the college aspect. Yeah, I like that. I mean, what he did uh, really shocked, actually, uh, people in the area. Because, I mean, like I said, the expected route is usually let's go from uh, high school to college to play soccer. I mean, that's not the route you should do in soccer, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, so great interview and best of luck. Maybe he'll get called up this this uh yeah rumor has it friendly rumor (laughs) has it uh ah, who knows we could go young speaking of texans and soccer yet houston in the playoffs keen parks grant mall grant wall tweeted out something that you are very pissed off about i mean is pissed off the right word i'm more just it's it's a more lack of understanding uh from uh an outsider's perspective i mean he's an elitist Grant Wall tweeted out, here's the thing about moving Columbus to Austin. What evidence is there from the two current Texas MLS teams that decent crowds will come? Listen, anyone that is well-connected to FC Dallas, to the Houston Dynamo, realize that the problem itself is not the market. You go around – I'm in university right now, UT Dallas. You go around, you see – so many soccer dudes just pick up soccer games every single day. Everyone wants That's to play the soccer. Sport that everybody talks about. Okay, you especially can't go, you can't go walking into a Walmart, into a Kroger, into a mall without seeing multiple soccer jerseys. In fact, I guarantee you there are more soccer jerseys in Dallas alone than there are cowboy jerseys. Okay? No, I honestly, I honestly, I honestly do agree with you, and um. Many, both sides, always talk about one thing. It's the lack of marketing. And the lack of marketing is a, is a really is a really big problem. I mean, I, there's a market for soccer. And this is what I said on Twitter. There's a market for soccer, but there is not a market. The market for FC Dallas has not been established yet. So big crowd in, in Austin, I honestly don't doubt that. I think they'll have big crowds. I think they'll have a good, fine time if, if they move. But to say... Oh yeah, it's it's a very it's two with two birds eye view. Well, it's, no, but Grant Wall doesn't understand that there there's a hundred fifty thousand in Frisco, a hundred plus thousand in McKinney, a hundred plus thousand in Plano. That's all fifteen twenty minutes maximum from the stadium, and there's a tollway, meaning there's a highway right by that's gonna fly you up and down to from your house to the game. It's not. Impossible South Frisco in uh, at Toyota uh, Stadium. It's not impossible. What FC Dallas has done a terrible job is market the club and exposure. There is no f- uh, relationship between the ownership and the marketing PR team and and the players to the city. There is no established. The fans that go to FC Dallas are soccer fans. Most of them probably don't like what FC Dallas is doing. Yeah, they've had success. But it pisses me off when people say Dallas has no market. No, Dallas has a huge market. Look at all the players that are coming out in Europe. Where are they from? That They're from Dallas. Why is FC Dallas... Why, why do they have such a really good academy system? Because the players are grown, grow up in Frisco. There's a market for them. Everywhere you go on street corners, there is soccer field. I mean, uh, f- 
it was a Frisco Soccer Association, Plano Soccer Association, McKinney Soccer Association. Those are rec, rec leagues. Those are massive and powerful leagues in the area that influence and have a ton of area and places to go play games at. It's yeah, um, and the same, thing in, the same thing in Houston as well. Uh, Houston, they have a great downtown stadium. It's just a lack of lack of marketing. There's lack of you know, marketing, and I just I I don't like this narrative that's being pushed out uh, by people in the media who obviously I guess don't want Columbus to leave. And I mean, we don't want Columbus to leave, but let's not make well, this. Well, you know what? I, I'm at the, I'm at the point where I'm at the point where I'm like Columbus. If you didn't sell out your if your stadium. Who's that to blame? Because it, it, I look at it from a Dallas perspective. If FC Dallas were to leave, I'd be bummed. But what do you want me to say? I blame how I don't know what Columbus. The thing is, we need to look at Armand is Columbus's marketing. Have they marketed the club? Because Dallas is a complete failure. So on one hand, you have yeah the fans blame the fans somewhat because they don't want to go to the games. But if the st- if, if the the team doesn't establish themselves and tell them you know the the, the put out flyers to to do stuff for for the community, why is anybody going to go to game? The stadium in Dallas is crap. And I think that has to do a large part. But Grant Wall, what he doesn't understand is North Texas is a hotbed. Grant Wall, go listen to episode two with Coach Kaiser. He can tell you exactly how Dallas works with youth. Oh, is that frustrating? Why? That is such an elitist mentality that I can't get. And this is exactly the reason why the U.S. soccer media is terrible. This is the reason. Grant Wall, you are doing a disservice for U.S. soccer with lies and tweets and misunderstanding and false truths like that. Oh, can I not wait for somebody to put him in his place? I just... Uh, I It's... it's it's and it's the thing it's a is sad. It's a sad. The, the uh, thing. The thing is, if he would have said, "Hey, uh, Austin had a USL team and they struggled. But that's apples and oranges." And that team moved. There's there's a university town. There's so many similarities between Austin and Columbus. Why? Why would you go with Austin? Why Austin? Why not Columbus? I mean, they're like the same thing, basically. That's a different mentality than saying. Oh, you're comparing. Saying, you're comparing Dallas and Houston. Houston and Dallas are two of the top ten cities in America as far as population, and one one has their stadium downtown. And and, and that's that's the thing. I just I just I just don't understand. And uh, it just it just really irked me when I saw a tweet. I know it irked the guys at third degree as well. Um, because it's it's not it's not that it's not the thing of North Texas doesn't have soccer. Houston has soccer. Are you kidding me? Those places love soccer. UT Dallas loves soccer. UNT loves soccer. It's that there's no marketing push. I mean, look at the high school game. Like it, it, it's a big deal. It I mean, really is. High, it, it, it's from the ground up. The NBC Sports rated uh, the, the the Londoner and Addison as one of the best bars to go watch soccer at. The culture is a real soccer culture. It just hasn't translated from FC Dallas. And FC Dallas has done a terrible job of actually tapping into it. That's that's FC Dallas's fault. That's MLS's problem, not the fans. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, and the fans have no obligation to come to the game. It's you they, market they, yeah, to them yeah, yeah. and and you say this is why you should come to the game and this is why you should come. Dallas doesn't have that. There's not that much uh, like billboards. There's 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 almost no marketing. It's it's more of like a word of mouth thing. I feel like, and you know, it's it, it it's I, I don't like I don't like the like I said the narrative that Dallas that Texas doesn't have a soccer market is is wrong. To be quite honest with you, completely wrong. It's wrong. And and, and, Grant, and yeah, and Grant Wall. I'm sorry to interrupt, Armand, but you just got me going here. <laughs> Grant Wall doesn't understand is it, it's a two part deal. The fans do have some sort of. Uh, relationship with the club, and they do take some of the blame for not selling out Toyota Barely. And, Barely. And down in Houston. But what Austin is going to bring to Texas into MLS is a new set of rivalries that I think could be really fascinating. You have three clubs in within six hours of each other. Like a Cascadia Cup. You almost have a Cascadia Cup, and that's what MLS needs more of. More than anything is real rivalries. 
Austin is going to be that new boy on the street. Yeah, Houston, Dallas hate each other, but I've been to a couple of games and I've been under. It's been underwhelming as far as hate and, and the fan experience. Okay, with Austin coming in, suddenly you have an extra motivation, and maybe Dallas and Houston will realize, oh my God, we no longer have that market in in Austin. As if they had any chance to do so because they already failed to do with their marketing. Now with Austin there and that city and that area of Texas taken up, there's going to be maybe a whole more emphasis in the community around them to market to get planned. Because think about it, if Austin has a higher attendance the first year than Dallas and Houston, what's that tell you? The club it's going to be embarrassing. Is, it's embarrassing, but who, who, it's not the fans' fault. It's the clubs. Like, Grant Wall, this is a mouthpiece of MLS right now. He is He's trying to blame the fans. MLS is trying to blame the fans. When it's MLS's job to say, FC Dallas, get your act together and mark it. It's just, I'm like, I, 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 I read it, and I was just like, it, I, I understand, like, the anti-Columbus yeah. narrative is there. People people do not do don't want Columbus to leave. I mean, honestly, if I had it, I wouldn't want Columbus to leave either. But and the thing is, Austin is a relative unknown. Well, the thing is, Armand, I, I I'm gonna be bold. Columbus, I'm sorry, they're gone. They're leaving. Well, I think they're gone too. The crew's leaving. I, I, to me, all. Everything has indicated for them leave. They've been tr- they've been working on this since last year. They've been talking about financing a new stadium. I think Precourt bought the team to to move it to Austin, and it's to, it's in the contract. Frankly. It's in the contract, and and people don't people don't realize. I re- I was looked at one column. I said if you keep doing it, public pressure, uh, it'll, it'll cave in, and Columbus won't move. Well, if you look no. at Seattle and Oklahoma City, um, that relocation is it's almost the same thing. Uh, Clay Bennett basically bought uh, bought the team, and they all basically admitted it. Uh, even one of his chairman admitted it, even though. He denies it, but he basically admitted they they bought the team to move it to Oklahoma City. So you have, if you look at that history, I was looking through the articles. They almost read the exact same. Fans history repeats itself. Fans desperate. This that public pressure. This that lawsuits. This that. I think I think I do think Columbus Columbus is is gone. Um, I think MLS wants it. Yeah, I, I. Honestly, I think MLS wants it because they want a new market because it's kind of failed. It, it's, and that's the issue, Houston. Now, Houston's a relocation team, too, from San Jose. But Dallas is an original club, and they're struggling attendance. They're at the bottom of the league year in and year out. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. And I think they hope to rekindle that market through Cincinnati. Because uh, the close proximity between you, yeah. I think they hope Cincinnati absorbs that black hole of a market. And uh, which they already do, and yeah, which I think they already would, and um, I think they would just suck them up. And uh, it, I mean, some people might swear off MLS for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's that's up to that. But I think the people who really want to watch soccer will uh, go to uh, uh, and why you know the Cincinnati atmosphere is great. It's awesome. Yeah, it, ab- it, it ab- would be a real addition for MLS. But Graham Wall, go go do some research into FC Dallas's marketing in Houston's, and let me know how it turns out. Then you can understand why fans don't show up. All right, moving on, Armand, because we got to continue here. Uh, <laughs> U.S. presidency is up to debate now. It seems like a you know a number of names running. One particular yeah. name, uh, Eric Winalda, and this caught my eye. Alexi Lawless tweeted. MLS failed, unquote. Eric Walnalda on why U.S. men's national didn't qualify for the World Cup from U.S. Coaches Podcast. Shout out to them. And then he links it. Um, wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. No, wrong. no, 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 and yeah, this, no. This, this, this narrative. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, this narrative uh, that, you know. It, it, we. Yeah. Oh, God, are people that naive to think the mls is not responsible for the u.s men's national team that is not why mls was created then if mls was really really focused on committing to the national team they would not have any foreign players in the league none it would be all americans that's fair um my my issues with the comments is um 
like uh, Franco said on our po- podcast a couple episodes back, MLS should do what's best for MLS. They really shouldn't do – they need to do what's best for them. I mean they can help a national team maybe adding like a domestic player. Yeah. They already have that though. So – what what can they do? What can they what what do you want MLS to do? Do you want them to bring over all stars and have a little American hotbed? Do you I don't understand. Do the cat? I mean, do you want the academy set up? The academy systems are uh, implementing great stuff. So, what do you want MLS to do? Is the question. And I think many people are going to say we want to play. Uh, we want them to play more of the homegrowns. This that. The thing is, I don't think people understand. A lot of these homegrowns. Like we've mentioned, I keep referencing episode two because that's such an important episode uh, with our interview with uh, Jared Miklas. The mm-hmm. role of the academy mm-hmm. is not to develop U.S. national team. It's to develop world-class players. Yeah. So so if you want to play more homegrowns, what if they're not? What if they choose Mexico, for example? That's a really common dual nationality or another dual nationality. Are you developing the U.S. or the Mexico then? I mean, look at Schalke, the issue. Yeah, look at Schalke, for example, with um... – What's McKinney? his name? McKenney. Yeah. Uh, he's an American. He developed at Schalke. And FC Dallas. And FC Dallas, but uh, Grant Wall researched that. Uh, <laughs> what? what? I mean, is it the Bundesliga job to develop players for the German national team? No. MLS's job is to be the best league in the world. Exactly. That's the job of MLS. The academy system is to develop players. Now, you know, episode two, go listen to it. I keep referencing it because it's it it it's it's, it's a perspective that we don't really it's see. It's a often. culture issue. These people that did not do not grow up in my age don't realize it's a cultural issue. All the kids walking around the street are more likely to possess a soccer jersey than there is. A football or basketball because A, a soccer jersey is cool and B, it's a statement. If you're a Tottenham fan, you suck. That's the statement you're giving me. If you're wearing Arsenal fan, well, we're forever fourth. Okay? If you're wearing a United jersey, means you like to win in your bandwagoner. If you're a City fan, you're an extreme bag- bandwagoner. Okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. <laughs> How about um, Armanka 5 for that? <laughs> Uh, but it's it, yeah, it's stereotyping. But it's cool. You see a soccer jersey, and you have an instant, instant bond with whoever it is. Yeah, you know? and um, I mean, looking at the presidency, I mean, Ronaldo has also said he's for promotion relegation. Oh, here we he's, go. He's 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 no, for no, switching, no, flipping no, the calendar. No, no, no. The calendar no. flipping would be no. an interesting thing, but yes. it wouldn't work. Sorry, Armand, I'm just fired up. It would it wouldn't work. Promotion relegation. Steven uh, has uh, had a little in, uh, revelation of promotion relegation. Um, yeah, I'm not. We're gonna save that for after MLS playoffs. Yeah, we're yeah we'll save after. But I mean, we're we're seeing three candidates really come out. Um, we're seeing Ronaldo uh, and Gulati. There's obviously more. Gulati's obviously incumbent. Ronaldo is gaining traction though with his. Uh, you know what of, it is? You know what it is? You said it. Uh, I'm, I'm, Donald Trump? It's Donald Trump. It's the populist really message. It's the, it's the I'm going to fix everything. Let's make U.S. soccer great again. That's what it be. Honestly, Eric Ronaldo should just run that campaign. And, and the, 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 the thing is, uh, Gulati hasn't done anything outstanding. Uh, well, Gans, yeah. Gans is a really interesting guy. I watched the uh, presidential debate i guess uh between <laughs> with, with, between the two and gans is a really interesting guy he's a very smart guy he 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 knows he, he, he's the businessman he's a, he's a lawyer he's, he's a lawyer he's been in the business uh for a little bit but um i think compared to uh um Ronaldo, he has a, he's a little bit more rational yeah i don't i i mean i don't think he'd get any bids I, I don't either. Or win, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the I thing. I think it's Olga Winalda. It it's it's hard to imagine what US soccer is going to be like in the next five years because there's going to be a massive shift. 
going on. And and well, not to blame MLS. I think again, it goes to Grant Ball. It's his bird eyes view, and it's not really going into the the dirt and into the details and, and, and into the the real issues because Dallas produces product like a a, a, a factory. Like, honestly, it's one player after the other that just goes on and into another club, and it just seems to to continue on. I mean, look at their academy system. That's all that people talk about is their academy system. And with with MLS being blamed for the failure of the men's national team, what did Costa Rica do? What did Panama do? What did Honduras do? Where do those players play at? MLS. Some of them, a majority of them, play in MLS. That's where they want to be. So, uh, no, I, yeah. All right, listeners, we'll be back with some more <laughs> MLS talk. We'll talk about the U.S. coaching on next episode because I, I'm I'm a little pissed off on what's going on there too. How I we mean, have, Steven's pissed by everything. I'm pissed honest, by everything. So. U.S. soccer sucks right now. God, are they awful? <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, AlexAmSoccerPod. Armand Kafai at Steven Jodrand. Check out our content. Listen to episode two. Bye. Please listen to episode two. <laughs> The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute, but then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.